You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey people, welcome to episode 183 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. My name is Matt Phillips, creator of OneChatLive.com, and this episode of the Sports Therapy Association podcast is, as always, being recorded live on a Tuesday at 8 o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel and the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page. But also tonight, we're also going live, hopefully, to the Facebook group, the MSK Hub, supported by Physiomatters and Mehab. So if you are joining us live from any of those groups, be sure to tell us in the comments and, and, and proudly say where you're joining us tonight. If you're listening to the podcast, then you are able to join us live. We've always recorded this live because we like the spontaneity. We like putting our guests on the spot. We like hearing people say strange things, none stranger than Andrew McCauley last week. But yeah, we love that sort of thing. So if you are interested in joining us live, just head along to one of those sources on a Tuesday at eight o'clock. If you are watching via the MSK Hub group, because of Facebook security, it means that if you do want to ask a question or leave a comment and have your picture come up, then you will need to click on the link in the post's comments. I'm going to put that on the screen as well so you can see. You only need to click it once and then it will allow you basically to appear your photo and your personal data to appear on the screen. I'll leave that on there for a while if you like. It's just at the bottom there. Um, and you also should see it in the, in the notes. Right. So before we do go into tonight's special panel debate, you can see that our physios and sports therapists are there proudly in the background, shining their swords and, and putting the visors down on their on their armoured faces. Um, but I must say, first of all, give a huge thanks to last week's guest, Andrew McCauley. I'm just going to bring this up. A fantastic episode. I say that all the time, I know, but it was a, a real insight into the importance of communication. It was called Optimising Communication with Clients and other health professionals, which gave us a nice segue into tonight's episode, Physios versus Sports Therapists, a live panel debate. Um, for those of you who aren't aware of Andrew McCauley, he's founder of the ProCare Sports Medicine, and he's an amazing sports scientist, sports and conditioning leader, the degree in PE sports science and a master's in sports and exercise medicine. And he has his internationally acclaimed course, Unraveling Strength and Conditioning for Therapists. And there is a course, as we mentioned during the episode last week, this, uh, no, not this Friday, Friday, February the 23rd and Saturday the 24th in Manchester. And all details for that, then go to ProCareSportsMedicine.com. Right. Which brings us back to this episode, which I've been looking forward to thoroughly for about nine and a half years because we're finally going to have it out. We have finally got hold of three typical physios three typical sports therapists as if there was ever such a thing um, i'm jesting of course but we have got hold of some people thanks to a conversation that was going in the msk hub which i recommend let's just have a little flash up of that because i mean it's it's a lovely history with the msk hub if you're not aware of it i'm just going to bring that up um it was started off i mean we've got the creator of it here today so Gemma will give us a little chat about it soon Gemma oliver but basically it came out of covid and it started off as the physio group i think and then it went into the physio and therapist group, which was just like we were in the streets rejoicing, uh, getting a mention in there. And now it's the MSK hub. So it's, it's evolved to include basically everyone who works with MSK, which is a wonderful thing. And we're fortunate enough to have uh, the founder here today amongst our other guests, Gemma, Gemma Oliver. So thank you very much for that. 
with that said i'm going to introduce you to our panel if you're in the live lounge then feel free to ask questions i've told my guests that if there is something interesting in there then they are welcome to uh, jump in and say oh john's got a nice question there or something so do yeah do feel free to ask questions if you want to but first let's go and introduce the panel you're listening to the sports therapy association podcast putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy start off well, obviously, let's start off with the physios, eh, Gary? So we'll start off with the physios in no particular order. Let's have Gemma, first of all. What I want you all to do is, for the for the benefit of the listeners, just explain who you are and what your role is and what your relationship is with other disciplines. Are you part of a multidisciplinary clinic? Do you work with other disciplines? Or are you like a solo, stick with your career, don't talk to anybody else sort of person? <laughs> Gemma, would you like to start? Of course, Matthew. Thank you for the invite. Always a pleasure. I am a physiotherapist and I will talk a little bit more about that, you know, in the next hour. I'm a physiotherapist about 16 years now. Gosh, feel a little bit old. I've got a sports medicine background, so I've mixed with everybody, everyone and everything, including doctors, you know, that's for my sins. Osteos, chiros, massage therapists, sports therapists, everyone in my career. And Yes, I have. I have my own views and it, it is a great topic. We are all wanting the same thing, but it is something that I think we need to help each other educate on. So it is a good, good topic. But that's me. And just because you're so modest, just a shout out to the MSK hub. I mean, that did start off. I mean, I remember the time when and therapist was added and that was really significant for a lot of other therapists. And I think a lot of your congregation, I think is probably the best word to use, are other therapists because they welcome this. It was like physio and therapist in the same sentence was something really quite new at the time. So, And I think, and you know, I think I've said this and you may or may not know, but it was grown out of of COVID. You know, nobody knew what the hell was going on, including the people that was with to know what was going on. And it really, you know, I am very proud of it. It was something that provided a lot of support for me and for a lot of people. It has evolved. I think it's had to evolve. We've made some decisions to try and keep it very on along a similar theme, but actually make it with some more direction now so we can help educate but with the same theme of bringing so that's where it is I think we've got nearly 6,000 members now of all walks and background which is what I love and what it will always be there is a you know a stronger I think there's a more there's a bigger bigger population of physios on there so naturally I think sometimes it does waver towards that but that's why things like this are important to keep fresh, different themes or about different therapists that come and do different types of work and jobs and stuff. Because we all are on the same page, hopefully. So. Well, hey, you're doing a great job. And the fact we've got pushing on 40 people in the live lounge now after an average mm-hmm. of, you know, we're going back to like COVID times now. It's as if there's a plague out there again. Woohoo, fantastic. But thanks for joining us, live listeners. And we will work through your questions as well. We've got a bit of fighting talk, obviously, from some of the sports therapists. Such an unruly bunch. Cecily Hislop is already in there with minds on the STs. And we've got loads of people putting their money down. It's like something out of Fight Club. But we will proceed anyway with with decorum and work our way around to the next physio. Um, In no particular order, Caroline, thank you for joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us who you are, what you do? All right. Thank you for having me. I'm Caroline, Irish, based in Scotland and trained in England. I'm a physio a bit longer than you, Gemma. I, my career's, career so far has been very varied, mainly rehab, but I have worked in private practice in the last four years. So I've worked really closely with the sports therapists. 
I still keep my part-time hours in NHS and I've just recently got a new post in major trauma and I'll be coordinating the rehab for NHS Fife. So yeah, I think sports therapists, I've only come across them in private practice, obviously. They're not really in the NHS in Scotland anyway. I've seen there's posts advertised for sports therapists down south. So I need I, I want to find out more about that as well, because I think there's definitely a need for them within the NHS too. So Oh, Fantastic. Please. Thank you very much. I'm going to come back to you with your opener uh, with, with something from your son. So I'm looking forward to opening up. Oh, well, yes, indeed. Oh, yeah, yeah. you say that. There's a little bit of a hook there for people. Yes. Um, we'll come back to that. Another time, time for another physio. Let's make time for physios. Let's give, let's give more than 50 minutes, which is normally what they only give to patients. So let's have Paul. Paul. <laughs> Paul, would you like to, would you like to introduce yourself, mate? Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I'm Paul Collins. I run a multidisciplinary clinic in private practice. Graduated in 2006, worked in sports, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, so run multidisciplinary clinic with sports therapists and physios working alongside each other. And then just started up a recruitment agency on the side. So, no, all good. So I definitely see value in both. So I'm going to sit on the fence right in the middle. No, I am right now. Now, for now. Now, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right, so thank you very much, physios. It's like University Challenge. I don't know what you can see on your screens, but at the moment they're all at the top. It's like a fantastic. And then down in the basement with a little <laughs> table set up and a drip in the background, we've got the sports therapist. So the Anna, Anna Maria, would you kindly introduce yourself? Let us know who you are and what you do. I uh, my background is massage therapy and then I graduated as a sports therapist but I recognize or, or kind of present myself as a soft tissue therapist and I had the opportunity to go and do masters in physiotherapy but I decided not to because I decided I don't need to mm. I work very collaboratively with physiotherapists, osteopaths and chiropractors, and I learn tremendously uh, from them. I run a clinic where we have sports therapists and a physiotherapist and massage therapists. And yes, I don't think there is even a battle to be had. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, there is actually. Yeah, I'm sure waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> Things are going to change in 10 minutes. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Anna. Thanks for giving up your time to join us. Becky. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I'm Becky Carroll. I'm a graduate sports therapist. I've been working, uh, I work on my own, so not in a multidisciplinary clinic, but I do have a lovely set of therapists and health professionals around me that I've come to know over the years. So I've been working for 17 years, which is quite scary to say out loud. I did look at doing a physiotherapy master's. But I decided against it in the end, purely because in the interview, they were asking a lot about how my background as a sports therapist would help in the NHS. And the NHS wasn't something that I was looking to mm. venture into. So that's the only reason I didn't really continue with that. But yeah, that's me. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time as well. And then last but not least, Gary Benson. Hi, everybody. Yeah, Gary, my image doesn't belie the number of years I've been in this industry. I come from a, a a military background, then fitness industry and sports coaching, sport remedial massage, and then sports therapy, both as a diploma and advanced diploma, plus academic qualifications. I founded the STA 
over 10 years ago now because I was disappointed with uh, the representation and the false promises that we were, you know, being made to, to us. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Right. So I'm just noticing now, I mean, we're all a lovely bunch of people. And we're joking about physios against sports therapists. But what I'm hoping from tonight, people are going to accuse me of just picking nice people. But yeah, I have picked nice people. But the fact is, we've got people from loads of different backgrounds. And it's kind of already we're showing that just because you're a physio or sports therapist doesn't de- define who you are. It sounds obvious. But what I'm saying is, if we can all get along, then the whole world can get along. But I'm hoping people don't accuse me of cherry picking. You know, it's just I've, I've tried to get a large variety of people from different backgrounds and that. So... Right, on with the show then. So we'll start off with why I wanted to put this debate together, maybe. And it happened in the MSK Hub. And it was something which happens, I think, quite a lot. And it, and it is an issue, more so from some people for others and for many different reasons. And basically, for the, for the listeners who aren't aware, it was one of those cases where, in this case, a physio had spotted that a sports therapist was advertising physiotherapy, referring to physios in their clinic. And there isn't any physios and there's therefore no physiotherapy happening. And their reaction was, I'm going to report them to the HCPC, Mm. which is a regulator. And I think that's something it happened inside the other day, but I think it's something I've seen a lot. And I think it's something that which we've all kind of experienced. So who should we start off with? Maybe, oh, Gary's got his finger up. What I wanted, first of all, is just for someone to explain what the HCPC is and why they are the person who you'd report it to. What would their action be? Who feels well, I'll, I'll come in then, Matt. Okay. The Healthcare Professionals Professions Council was historically HPC. They have, they oversee the regulation of fourteen or fifteen individual therapies. <clears throat> their their remit, and I, I've dealt with them quite a lot over the over the years, because we've had incidents where our members have been reported and and. Quite alarmingly, the the HCPC. The the, I mean, I'll I'll share all of the notes that I've got on the on the show notes here. But but basically, if if one of my members was advertising physiotherapy in their in their clinic, that's not actually against any rules or regulations, as long as that physiotherapy is provided by a regulated physiotherapist. Yeah. So the act of advertising is, is not an issue. The, the issue comes when people are trying to mislead that they are a physiotherapist. And in that case, then the HCPC would issue, they would issue a warning. They'd do an investigation. They might issue a cease and desist notification. And if the problem occurred again, then they do have available to them a thousand pound fine option. And that's for each proven misuse of title. So if if somebody comes into our clinic as a sports therapist and they go home and say, great physio session with Gary this afternoon, and I don't see that because I don't follow their social media, but somebody reported that, it would be very difficult for HCPC or the regulator to prove that I'm misleading, that I'm not, a, that I'm a physio. So there, there are lots and lots of variables at play here, but but basically HCPC, from my perspective, have always been extremely helpful in in explaining what goes on. But to other people, they have found them quite autocratic and quite threatening. Okay, right. So I want to start off from the perspective of physios. Now, obviously, you guys aren't 
representing all physios at all. And it's a personal thing, how you react when you see something like this. But either on your own behalf or understanding the feelings of colleagues, what is the problem for the mate? What are the reasons for the this kind of hostility that physios feel when they do see a non-physiotherapist using the name? And it could be something you've felt in the past and don't feel now, but anything. What are some of the reasons why people get in the tiz or physios hmm. get in the tiz? Well, I mean, I've, I used to have a, a kind of feel that this physiotherapy name was some big, big thing when I, when I first graduated. It was quite an achievement to become a, a physiotherapist, a bit, especially coming from a sports science background. But yeah, and over time, I've kind of come to realise that, you know, we're, we can be labelled whatever type of therapist we are. At the end of the day, we're trying to get people out of pain and into fun- into full function. And whether it's by an osteopath, a physiotherapist or a sports therapist, doesn't really matter. But I think sometimes, for example, you might be out and someone will go, oh, I see so-and-so, they're my physio. And I'll be like, oh, actually, well, they're not actually a chartered physio. But then I'll be like, it's not even worth going into that with them. And does it really matter? I'm not, I don't know. So, yeah, the whole thing is sometimes, I guess, as physiotherapists, you feel you've achieved that kind of chartered physiotherapy status and you just want to defend it a little bit. I think the other side of it and coming from the group, I think, and this isn't necessarily my opinion, but recognising what a lot of people on the hub have said is that it is a protected title. And I think that is unfortunately <laughs> is what it comes down to and and as and I agree with Paul you know we, it's an achievement for anybody to qualify in sports therapy or anything but I think it's it when when it ever com- comes down to it on the group or these conversations it always comes down to the fact that it was a protected title and you know backing some of the people that were met, you know in the chat that you mentioned and referenced through the day Matt is that maybe they are of an older generation where when it was protected it took a lot to get protected and I can understand some people thinking okay this took a lot to do we want to withhold this title and you know I'm proud to be a physio I don't hold that kind of gold label as such to it as I said and I alluded to at the start I've worked with lots and lots of different professionals lots and lots of good physios some bad ones, lots and lots of good sports therapists and some bad ones. And I don't think it has anything to do with whether they're a physio or a sports therapist. It has a lot to do with their like as a person. And we'll, we'll come to that, I'm sure. But I think that is kind of from a physio background where some of the feeling comes from. It's this title. Now, I know mm-hmm. you said in your sort of show notes is that, you know, does it matter? And I think this is what we need to get into. You know, yes, OK, mm-hmm. the reporting is one thing and it's how we go about that how we educate people on that. And there's some comments already, which you'll come on to saying that, you know, it's the public perception and that is the battle, I think. And I think a lot of the time sports therapists don't classify themselves as physios, but the, their patients will go away and say, oh, I've had some physio. And I think that is a big, that's that's difficult. I think that's really tough. Brilliant. Okay, there's loads of points in there. Yeah, So I'm just going to, because there's so much to go through there's loads of points in there we'll unwrap Gemma thanks for that there's loads of different reasons I just want to hear Caroline's perspective as a physio uh, and also mix into that the the story you told me yeah about your son's decision yeah so my son is what is really good at coaching he's really into sport he's quite academic and I thought oh you would actually suit being a physio and he's like, oh, no, you just want me to be a physio because you are one. And I said, no, no, I actually think you could go down the more sporty route, the MSK route. And he was like, no, no, no. But last week he came in from a careers event at school and he said, I think I know what I want to do. And I was like, OK. 
I want to do sports science. And he handed me two prospectus, prospectuses. And then the snob in me kind of looked at him and went, okay, so how are you going to get a job? <laughs> that was the first reaction I had, even though I have worked with sports therapists. And I think there's this, you know, if you do physiotherapy, you're going to work in the NHS, you've got a secure job. And, but in the last few years, you know, as you said, Gemma, before that, you know, there was no jobs and people, physios had no option but to go into private practice straight from uni. I think in university, we cover so much that, well, I'm not going to say I'm jazz, but sports therapists do so much more hands-on because I think physios have to do so much that sports therapists don't when it comes to neuro, when it comes to respiratory you know, we have to learn about legislation in relation to the NHS and, you know, things and how, I suppose I said in the chat before that a physio would work closely, maybe with a social worker, an OT in the NHS. It's kind of geared up to work in the NHS in a way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was just okay. But now I'm really supportive of my son doing sports science because I have worked closely with sports therapists and I can see how we can work really well together we can collaborate and I can see how some patients are best suited to a sports therapist to begin with you know part of their initial you know they can do the objective the subjective just as well as a physio can that's great I love that story because it's just an example of biases and we have all got biases you know if you're a physio you're probably going to want your kids to be a physio you just naturally have it inside but I never thought of a sports therapist even though I've worked with them in the last four years yeah I think that's natural. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people just stick to what they are because they're proud of what they are and anything that dilutes it is going to be scary. So, right. Thank you, physios. Uh, we're going to get, keep, we're going to try and keep structure the first 10 minutes of this. We'll now go over to the sports therapists. Becky, sorry, I interrupted you. What, what was your reaction to that? What did you want to say? Or is it gone now? Oh, sorry. no, no. It's, I was going to say what I don't think what helps is that we, the general public team seem to use the word physio as a verb, don't they? You know, I, which doesn't help. Yeah. It kind of dilutes the, the physiotherapist title. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. And I was just thinking, I had a Greek patient once and he reminded me what, the, you know, the origin of the word physiotherapy. It comes, it means natural healers. Natural. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think we, it's how we use the word physio sometimes. But um, how, does um, it belong to a physiotherapist, the word physio? That to me is the point where Gemma before said, uh, you know, for people, becoming chartered was a really big thing. Those were different times. Yeah. There was the need then to have uh, the charter status and to protect the title. Yeah. The times have really changed. The need, healthcare needs, uh, healthcare landscape uh, is different from a perspective of the provider, but also the people that seek that. So I think this is a great discussion because it, it really shows that what is more important is the title or is somebody's scope of practice, which we need to make clearer to somebody. Because actually to me, there is, we need to focus more on the type of training, the training respecting the scope of practice, reflecting the training. And then the type of, let's call it specialism, because ultimately we all, all of us, we do people's care. We are all carer, call it MSK care, is we are all supporting people in pain and injury. Some of us might have different specialisms, some others might have different scope of practice, but ultimately we are all 
part of a care system. So should we stop focusing too much on names? I think, I think, you know, things need to change from HCBC level. Yeah. It's like um, sometimes with the sports therapy side, people go, oh, do you only treat sports injuries? Yes. Well, you can have back, mm-hmm. you can have back pain and it's not a sports injury. So there's always going to be different perceptions of the, you know, what we what we. I think do. one of the things I want to bring up as well is, I mean, a lot of sports therapists, and Gary will see this a lot, and we've talked about this before, is a lot of sports therapists call themselves physios or physiotherapists because inside they're not proud enough of what they do they've got this fear and i think that's quite an interesting thing because it can be overcome hopefully through things like this podcast through things like us talking now there's this idea that people are going to respect you more if you call yourselves a physiotherapist and that's part of the problem so uh, i think that's one side of it but then there's also this idea which i want to tap into as well with the public are going to come to your clinic more if you use the word physio and physiotherapy. Now we can slowly try and educate them, but I'm wondering with things like Google searches, if, if you, if you put physio or physiotherapy in your services, does it come up higher or is that a little bit of a myth or is the fact that mm. you're going to get more people coming through your door? Yeah. Gary, you were shaking your head there and you've crossed your arms. I can't <laughs> I don't know, so I've got long arms. It's just comfortable across the arms. Okay. That's fine. No, it's just body language. So. Yeah. I think what we have to do, we have, we have to talk about sports therapy and regulation. It's, it's not going to happen, okay? And anybody who puts on their website that statutory regulation is going to happen or they're actively pursuing it is the same as me saying I'm actively pursuing the 100 metres world record. So <laughs> it's just never going to happen. Now, on the 1st of the 3rd, 2006, the original applicant applied to the HPC at the time and I'll share all of these minutes in the in the show notes at the end, Matt. And they were asked to go away and consult with Bazrat at the time, who were the other stakeholder, and come back and present a cohesive application. And I, I believe, I haven't seen it myself, that the response was that the applicant re, re, preferred to maintain their elite status and so wouldn't work with with Basrap. It then went again on the 11th of May 2006. Again, it was referred back to the original, you haven't consulted, let's do this again. And then on the 2nd of February 2011, the third application went in, much the same, that it wasn't put, you know, it didn't go any further. And that's because of a, a number of reasons. One of them was that in February 2011, there was a government white paper called Enabling Excellence. And, and that spoke about reforming regulation. And it spoke about the machinery of government required at that time to regulate a profession was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and, and between three and five million pounds. And it was only going to be appropriate if the government decided that the public needed protecting and, you know, I don't want my profession to be seen as a danger to the public. I don't think regulation would work. Regulation's not working now. The HCPC, you only have to look at the disquiet within the, the physio world with, with CSP. You look at what happened during COVID and the, the categorization. So statutory regulation is not going to happen to us. You know, we are not allied health professionals despite what it might say on people's websites. And that's okay. The NHS has, in England, Scotland and Wales and Ireland, have a list of the allied health professions. And if we keep going on and and elevating ourselves above our status, we're always going to continue getting into arguments. 
I think that the way things are going at the moment, we've become a semi-private healthcare system. The NHS is very good at responding to emergency medicine situations, but the general public are now voting with their wallets and their purses, and they're making a choice to go and see somebody. And that somebody has to make a connection. And I don't believe, and the reason I was shaking my head, was I don't believe that because somebody says they're a physiotherapist, it makes a connection. I think it's a personal thing. And I'm, I'm, it's lucky for me, I live in a rural location. I don't work in private practice, but I didn't have competition. And, and, and word of mouth was my, my way of making connection with people. <clears throat> I, I, I love that, actually, because Andy picks up on what Matt said. The problem is we are not proud enough of our own profession. I'm talking about from massage therapist to sports therapist diploma or graduate sport therapists. We are not proud enough of our professional identity and we all want to be physios. With all the due respect to physio, of course I love physiotherapy, osteopathy, chiropractic, but we don't need to want to be physios. We can provide the same care for that type of population. Yeah, we might not be able to work on it in NHS. Personally, I've been in practice for 22 years. Mm. I want to work on it in NHS. Mm. You know, so with all the, so actually, I think we fulfill a really nice niche. We, we look after an healthcare part that nobody's looking after. I, I just, I. <clears throat> I think I, I agree, Anna, and, and some of the points that you, well, everyone, you and Gary have made are spot on, really. You know, what, what is the need? It is a very different time. I agree that, you know, it was obviously very hard to get the title protected. So people, you know, feel like they want to keep it. Absolutely. But why do we need it now? Like you said, it was a very different time. There wasn't as many sports therapists then. There's now a very different market. And, you know, there's some comments I think that you'll probably seen and you'll touch on about NHS. And as a physiotherapist, I, you know, after, before COVID, actually, when I moved back from London and I moved away from sport for a bit, I became very disillusioned with the title because people were having very bad experiences. I worked, I worked for London in a very good clinic, but people were having rubbish physio experiences and were coming to our clinic because it had a good reputation and I had to spend a lot of time just getting people back on board now you know I back myself but a lot of my skills come from communication come from rapport they don't come from my physio degree they come from who I am you know and the way that I'm able to talk to people the rest of the stuff I've learned I would say clinically now I probably use 10% of what I learned in my physio degree you know I constantly feel think like most of us that you don't know enough and you want to keep learning you know I think we all feel like that at times but it, it, it shouldn't just be about the title I also you know as Caroline said I think we've got to remember that when you study as physios it, it was always set up from an NHS point of view, and it's set up as a clinical role. Private practice and MSK practice is one third of that training. And I think that's a huge difference as well. So, you know, there's two arguments there. One, the training for a physiotherapist isn't just to go into MSK practice or private practice or sport. It is for anyone who may want to go into respiratory care, neuromedicine, elderly care, you know, orthopedics, pediatrics. And it's just a completely different course and clinical pathway. Whereas your MSK is one year of training, whereas a sports therapist would spend three years what a physio would do in one year. Yeah. and 
if you look at that, you're a lot more skilled from an MSK point of view is, is, is my argument. So we have to get rid of the, you know, in my opinion, get rid of these titles and focus on what people can offer, what we're looking at from a patient point of view and, you know, just getting the guidance a bit better about how we approach these debates on reporting and all that sort so of some, One of the things that's popped up in the past with the difference between physios and sports therapists is the, being able to assess someone's spine. Now, that's come up quite a lot of times in the past. Oh, that's, they've got a sports therapy degree, but they're not allowed to assess the spine. I don't know, but then other people say differently. So I think it's because of the range of courses in sports therapy that there are and the different types of graduate or and sports therapists from either a basra yeah, certainly certainly as a physiotherapist a curriculum there's a little because you have such a broader yeah uh, training in respiratory circulatory and so on your red flag knowledge your pathology knowledge is superior Okay, that's because you're able to make connections that in a sports yeah. therapy curriculum you might not have. But this is where, and somebody, I think it was Mark there, he was talking about uh, NHS and the, the role of the physiotherapist. I do think that actually we can start changing people's view of what physiotherapy and hands on. So, you know, I, when people complain, oh, they haven't touched myself, but they don't need to touch you. The physiotherapists don't need to touch it. That's why you're coming to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there are, you know, you can work very, very well together. And I often refer to colleagues for complex injuries where I think, do you know what? I am not quite sure here. I quite like a physio more than an osteopath or chiropractor to actually double check uh, having a second opinion for diagnosis from them because your your understanding of pathology is a bit but i'm okay with that i've got no problem to say actually you're higher higher trained in the in that part than i am yes that's an interesting point because i worked for a year with gloucester rugby team and the videos there were, were their role was to diagnose and myself and Susie, who were the sports therapists, we were there to do remedial work and treatment. And then we had the uh, the guys in the gym who would do the rehab. So similar to what you're just saying there. Isn't that any work wonderfully? Yeah, it worked really, really well. And I would agree. And I, there was respect, you know, across all three sectors for what we did. But then also that there were there was crossover. Yeah, it worked really, really well. So it's it's finding the right person for the patient at the right part of their journey, and yeah. So the sports therapist I worked with in private practice, if there was any neuro, or if they felt oh this is a bit more neuro, they would just get us to check, you know. And if we felt it needed onward referral, we would. And I think that was one of my questions. Yeah, in my clinic, the sports therapist referred to the physio if he wasn't sure or she wasn't sure. And then we would liaise with the GP if we needed to. So is there any sports therapist that would, you know, write letters to other professions or do you just... I'll come in on that because this then goes back to the allied health professions. The the way that most doctor surgeries are set up now, and and despite the the use of voluntary registers or accredited registers under the professional standards authority which purported to say that you know doctors can refer to a a complementary natural healthcare council registrant for example but they don't they stick within 
the, the you know, the allied health professions. And, and, and I advise my members, whilst it's great that we want to be able to write these letters to doctors, they're not met in 99% of cases, they're not met with much respect at all. Okay. You know, they, they, they're quite dismissive. So I think it's always better to, to have a local network of and what we have to understand here, everybody is on a rehab continuum. What we need to do as, as practitioners is recognize where our skill set puts us. Yeah. You know, and Paul mentioned it earlier on, return to function. Great. That, that, that sums up what the physios do. It's return to the activities of day living. You know, what I do is, is more coaching. It's more sports specific. It's more technique. It might be more sports trauma. You know, that's where we're specialists. But all of the time when we're going through this and Caroline and said that then if we have a doubt, then we've got the backup of going to the physio and say, can you just double check this? Because it's not responding the way I think it should respond. Am I missing something? And we have to respect that. We've all got a, a point, a, a specific point on somebody's journey. Yeah. We can't know it all, can we? We, we no. need to know who to go to to. Like for neuro, for example, you know, obviously physiotherapists, so they, and I'm really linked with one of the clinics locally here, you know, they see those patients so much more often. So they actually they have also that experience, which I do not have. So for me, so much better to send them to them. Gary, I have to, I mean, my this is my experience. You obviously know more also because of your position in SDA. I disagree about not writing to the doctors because actually I think as slowly, slowly, it's through those letters that we are communicating to the primary health care pro uh, providers that we exist and we are mm. professionals. They might not refer to us. I agree. That's right also in certain cases. But they know we exist. And this is, I, I think, how slowly, slowly we can change that perception. The, the, re the way that that will change, Anna Maria, is, you know, my doctor... I knew him from the tri club. He would tell people, you know, if they were on the waiting list for a physio appointment, which, which was generally 26 weeks, they'd say, just call and see Gary at, at the end of the road and he'll sort you out in a couple of weeks time. So it's building those personal relationships, which is making the changes. But it's generally nice, speaking, it's, it's not as respected as it might be. Yeah. Right. I've got a question. Physios, how much do you think, not you guys, because you're kind of like more, informed but how much do you think physios in general are put off when they do see an abundance of just instagram photo after photo of like 50 cupping procedures and 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 kind of bad basically poor information coming out from sports therapists they probably tie in misinformation coming out from sports massage therapists do you think that holds back a respect which physios could have for sports therapists because they think, oh, they're just going to cut them to death or they're just going to think mm. that they're breaking down scar tissue with their elbow. Is that an issue, do you think, with some physios? I don't You get that across physios as well, Matt. And I think, uh, you know, it goes on your personal preference. You know, you, again, another huge podcast, and we had this over COVID, you know, a hands-on, hands-off debate. That's not a physio debate. That's a, a whole, you know, therapeutic, you know, treatment debate, isn't it? And so I don't think it would put them off. I think we are bogged down with this title thing. And I think that's 
from my feeling of looking at the group and opinions over the past few years, it's a title thing. And we've got to try and break down those barriers for all the reasons that you've, you've all said and the education. And it seems, you know, there's a lot of comments that I'm sure you've seen, Matt, is it's patient perception. That is, yeah. And can you be bothered explaining to the patient the difference when they don't understand it anyway? You may probably not. And I don't blame anyone for that, for not doing that. You know, they're yeah, not doing illegal. Is it worth it? But we have to be a bit more collaborative. We yeah, are some of those people, uh, you know, I, I, we, we've been seeing that for the last few years. Uh, and, you know, they, they're, they're quite young. Oh, yes, go and report uh, because they should not call themselves physiotherapists. Well, you know, <laughs> actually, just sit back a moment. What? Yeah, it is a protected title, but there are ways and ways. It, it seems to, you know, irritate and bring up some uh, quite you know, that it irritates sometimes. And I think you're right. You know, some are more informed. I I don't know, you know, Matt, I don't know why it would get some people's back up. It does shock me sometimes, but I come, we're all quite cohesive here. I know, you know, we have stroke title, but you know, maybe we would get some different opinions with other it's people. It's that identity, isn't it? It's that strong, strong identity. Then they feel like you're touching my identity or you are less skilled. Why you want to be called the physiotherapist? Mm. That, that's what my... That's how many physios do, if a physio had to draw or had to say, what do sports therapists do? Would they say, well, they just cover them with kinesio tape and just keep rubbing them until they say it feels I mean, better? That's what I do, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> or do some physios doing that as well? I mean, if you looked at the, what, yes. a, what a sports therapist is studied and even the, the syllabi will we've had guests saying that what you study on the sports therapy degree will change depending on the university and depending on the tutor and everything but if you looked at not university level but the sort of things which are still being taught generally apart from at the st school and apart from at mike rice and a few exceptions i can count on my hand it's pretty horrifying stuff still you know the, the right. claims that are made is that something that makes physios think well how are we going to work with these people if they're still teaching you you're you know doing this and that and well right. can i can I read something from the HCPC website? Yeah. And, and it's about the pillars of underpinning uh, sports therapy and physiotherapy. I'm, I'm going to go off camera. I won't be able to see you, but you can obviously hear me. Now, there are five distinct areas of competency for graduate sports therapists. They are prevention of injury, recognition and evaluation, management, treatment and referral, rehabilitation and education. Now, this is the HCPC website, bear in mind. There are four distinct pillars that are given as being integral to physiotherapy. Massage, electrotherapy, exercise, and kindred methods of treatment. Don't don't talk about the pillars, Gary. God, that's another 10-hour podcast. Yeah, well, I'll share this, but apparently there are over 50 kindred treatments available. But, But, you know, there is a lot of crossover. Yeah. Again, it it comes back to respect. You know, respect your scope of practice. And if you if you're not getting gains as you think you might, go and seek help from somebody else. At the end of the day, we have like um, sports therapists and physios in our clinics. Right? We meet up once. We do full day CPD every month, just because all the clinics are spread out quite a lot. We don't go. There's a sports therapy section and there's a physio section. We'll come in and we'll do like uh, running biomechanics for example and we'll all sit and do that just because you're a physio or just because you're a sports therapist doesn't mean you can't do running biomechanics or if we had a session on cupping it doesn't mean the physios wouldn't do the cupping where everyone would get involved in it. 
it's up to that practitioner to then go back to their patients that week with the knowledge and training that we've had and use it whether they like to or not. We don't, we don't control how they treat in that room, but the training's all the same as well. So yeah, there's definitely crossover. And that is the answer. Is that is that the answer? You know, there is a lot of crossover in a lot of the things that we do. I work singly now, just in my own clinic, but I previously worked for Andy Hosgood's clinic in Summit, and we're the same. Sports therapists, GSR. There's no sports massage, just because well, there isn't one. Yeah. I'm a hands-on uh, physio, but a mixture of physio, and we yeah. do the same. So would, uh, there is lots of crossover, and but I'm just thinking we're really relegated, yeah, re- regulated physios. So I'm kind of like jealous that maybe sports therapists are not regulated That's you, know, so well, what are you are you regulated you are do you have audits and things and no no i i think we we should all be careful what we wish for i yes. know sports <laughs> therapists in general are wishing for regulation physiotherapists in general wishing for less regulation in two days time when these hit so i don't know if anybody knows but every two years we have an audit protocol yeah comes through and everybody dreads it because it's random and you could get called up and quite rightly you know to evidence base your cpd portfolio and it's got a lot harder over the last few years and people dread it and you will see it in the group over the next sort of a month or so when people get called and i'm checking my email every day it's february february the 14th be careful what you wish for because i'm not looking forward to that email (laughs) does anybody know what the annual cost of regulation is across all sectors you know in healthcare? In 2011, it was 200 million pounds. It's expect it's half a billion pounds at the moment across everything. The government they have not got the resources to comp- continue funding this. There was a white paper which was the 31st of October 2017 to the 23rd of January 2018 called "Promoting Professionalism, Reforming Regulation," and the government response was issued in July 2019, and it says it's not fit for purpose. They've got to be saving money. You know, we, we, we massive national debt. We haven't got half a billion pounds to be spending on regulation and changes are coming. Yeah. That's not mean that we don't have to be voluntarily regulated and that, that we don't have to have a good, strong organizational governance within, but that, that we don't need to be state regulated. I actually but, quite welcome not to be state regulated. So, yeah, that, so going, going back to my son, I'm thinking, oh yeah, definitely go and do sports science because well, physio yeah. has to meet so many standards, doesn't it? And you could be audited every two years. So, if if I had someone, well, I mean, uh, from from the STA, we do audit our members annually. We okay. have an annual audit in September. We have got a an Excel form now, which every member must complete. It it has to have learning outcomes. It has to have reflections. You know, we check qualifications. We're doing what the government is suggesting that regulation should look like. It's called soft touch regulation. Okay. The association should take more responsibility for policing its own members. The, the, unfortunately, the, the biggest, well, the, the only thing I can do if one of my members is unprofessional, doesn't meet my code of conduct and professionalism and ethics, is revoke their membership. That, that's all we can do. And then they can go to somebody else if they want to. And I have no, way of sharing that information because of gdpr so unfortunately there are there are bad in every profession but you know regulation and and love him or hate him you know what adam meekins has gone through with his with his fitness to practice hearing that's 
terrible. It's disgusting. My blood boils yeah. at how long it's taken. And then when it when it started, it finished, you know, because somebody recused themselves. I think that's terrible. And that's what regulation looks like. Mm. Yeah. I suppose the problem with sports therapy as well is that as a sports therapist, you don't need to be affiliated with an association so that you can go years without having to provide any CPD or evidence of doing research, which doesn't help our cause. Um, yeah, and I suppose just even having this conversation, we're getting a better understanding of what's what, because I suppose there's some sports therapists that don't realise what physios have to do from a exactly. And I obviously didn't know anything about your, uh, you know, you've got different associations, even though I've worked with sports therapists, three of them, for the last four years. So, yeah. Mm. Right. I've got some questions, people, if you're, if that's okay, because like we could keep talking about this easy for now, but I've got some questions which I've got sent online as well as some in the room. So I will try and get them through. First of all, a nice question. Would a physiotherapist recommend a client to see a sports therapist and in what type of situation? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What type, <laughs> there you go. Three physiotherapists. Yes. What type of situation would you say? Oh, yeah, you better go and see our sports therapist. And I think it depends. It just, well, and, and, and all our, our sports therapists see everyone, so I'm happy for them to treat everyone. I, 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 gave, I gave an example earlier. Yes. I worked part time and I felt the patient needed to be seen more regularly. And at the end of their rehab journey, he wanted to get back to golf. And I felt that was just suited to a sports if, therapist. If we get a patient coming in self pay, obviously we'll, we'll put that patient in with a sports therapist over a physio if they're already filled with private medical health. That's interesting from a business point of view. I think from a point of view, if I ran a clinic and it was a sports injury and I had a fresh new physiotherapist straight out of university, I would put that person with the sports therapist because, as I said before, that sports therapist has spent three years doing what the physio, although probably very good, has only done for one year. So from an experience point of view, which is the other thing we've not really sort of touched on, there is a big difference there, dependent, you know, and, and you can throw the title at sort of out of the window, can't you? Really? Mm-hmm. That's what I said earlier, Gemma, actually, to Matt, was that we had a graduate physio coming to our team one year post grad, and they were like, "Oh, we need some more senior physios in the team." And I'm like, "Well, we've got sports therapists there with ten yeah. years post grad experience. Yeah. You're senior." Yeah, bravo, yeah. bravo. Okay, yeah. another question. Another question. Sorry, but um, we're running out of time. Do physiotherapists? <laughs> Do you know if many physiotherapists see a potential need for sports therapists working within the NHS? Yes, I think I do because I'm in this new post and I could see it helping a lot of patients in the NHS. Yeah, a sports therapist that was at Summit, she won't mind me saying this, at Andy Hosgood's clinic, and she left that clinic because she got an NHS rehab post in Chorley. In mm-hmm. And they are coming up more and more because, you know, as as I think some people in the comments have said, NHS have physio wise have gone very hands off for whatever reason. I think volume is probably one of those reasons and time. And so they're creating quite rightly these rehab roles which are available to different factors and different people with those skill sets now. So I haven't seen many of them, but certainly in Lancashire, those posts are coming. We have it in Devon. They're called MSK practitioner. We have them in Devon. Great posts. Absolutely. And a, a lot of the MSK outpatients is, is you know, handled by companies like Connect Health, who are equally employing physios and graduate sports therapists. But prior to 2014, in the seven years prior to 2014, a report said that 71% of physio jobs in the NHS had been lost. 
a lot of those were filled by soft tissue therapists acting as physio assistants yeah. or soft tissue therapists or, or graduate sports therapists acting as physio assistants on, you know, considerably less wages. So saving the money in the NHS, yeah. saving the NHS money. But that's going to come around the other way because they're going to be very rehab based, hands off. So you're then going to have sports therapists in a very rehab based role in the NHS. And it's all going to go full circle. Yeah. I agree. I entirely agree with that. Other thing, just a moment, it's really, really important for those of you that runs clinic and something that something has to be done. For us, because we're not state registered, we pay VAT. So every treat at my clinic has to be VAT registered. And if a physiotherapist will not have to be. And this is the only time where I think, in fact, Gary, maybe tomorrow just give a call to hmrc and wh- how you know that is something that needs to change doesn't matter register or not register it has to change because we're part of healthcare well okay there's a few people asking here as well so i'm just seeing it repeat it and they, and generally it's like people aren't aware are physios actually allowed to provide sports massage i know you they do about an hour or something in as part of the, over the three years but can they are they allowed to offer sports massage I think uh, this week came up in our chat, didn't it, in the group the other day? And I think it's the same, the same, is it, Mark? We can, because I think, as Gary said, some of the it comes under a pillar. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on the pillars. I don't agree with them, but it comes under a pillar. And what we, what we can do is provide treatment-based approach based on clinical reasoning within our scope of practice. So what you will probably find in a realistic terms is that if you are not very good at sports massage or soft tissue or you don't like it, they will treat in a different way. This is what I've found over the years. If you do like it, because it's a it's a preferred technique that I like for part of my treatment, you will do a lot of it. So therefore, you probably will do a bit more training. So I definitely think you can. But I think yeah, there's arguments to say, I think some people have commented on here saying physios don't do sports massage. I don't agree with that. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. do. I call it soft tissue treatment because I'm trying to educate patients that it's not just massage. Massage yeah. is very beneficial, but this is a little bit more than what you would do to try and make the differentiation of where you may just go for a nice massage if you had a no clinical issue, like at a beauty salon. Any, any type of practitioner can do any type of treatment, providing they're competent, inverted commas. Competence is understanding how to do the treatment, understanding the benefits and risks and when and, and contraindications. Once you've done that, you've shown that. Yeah, but that that is if they've got a practitioner level qualification that covers them. And from insurance underwriting point of view, physiotherapy is the title encompasses one of the pillars which is massage therefore they can do it right you know it, i had a meeting with balen's matt which we can talk about another time but you know I've, i have been checking upon this that's all i do you know i'm, I'm sad <laughs> I, I don't work in clinic i haven't got time i'm, I'm okay. too busy checking policies and procedures for, for the benefit of the sda members so that they don't yeah. get into trouble i actually facebook stalk most of my members to make sure they're not you know saying they're a physio or physio <laughs> <laughs> right so we are drawing in i just want to share some of the appreciation so Gemma Gwinnett says this is nice to see you feel the first physios that have spoken about hands-on massage soft tissue work in a positive light it's great to see us not being knocked down or sneered that, at. that makes me sad matt and, and i know and that's a lovely comment from Gemma, and that's what i really want to try and change and your you know what you do at the sta and and basra and and you know the collab collaboration that we've had you know over the past few years 
we've got to break that down because that is not okay. And thanks for saying that, Gemma, but it's just a shame you seem to be around people that have had that experience and it just makes me a bit sad. I think the problem is, isn't it, in the NHS, we weren't allowed to do massage in musculoskeletal patients because there was no evidence. I mean, I'm going back years now when I was a junior physio. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's exactly what I was going to say, Caroline, is that, you know, in my opinion, you know, I don't know many bad physios. I know that they're constrained by the system, especially within the NHS, of limited appointment times, limited access, having to get a consultation, you know, infection control. Infection yeah, all, stops a lot. Yeah, all of those things. So, you know, I don't think I don't think physios in the NHS are, you know, and I get the message, you get the gist of what people are saying, that they've yes. only experienced bad things. I don't think that's the case. I just no. think the constraints of the system yes, are constraints. creating, in effect, a, a massive marketplace for us soft tissue therapists and sports yeah. therapists. Yeah, mm. for sure. Like, I mean, years ago, we used to do hydrotherapy and there's cost implications for that infection. It's just, yeah, the constraints in the NHS then, unfortunately, gives physios a bad name sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Look, right then. So we've covered quite a lot, to tell you the truth, in an hour. There's so much what we could talk about. But I'm hoping, well, actually, I want to, while I talk, I want you to think about what you hope people can do or give some words of wisdom to people to try and help get rid of this idea of physios against sports therapists and sports therapists trying to be physios because they're too embarrassed to call themselves a sports therapist but i think at the end of the day i mean i always and you can think while i'm just blabbing on now i'm giving you people chance to think of the final words of wisdom but i always feel very lucky from myself that i was pretty much born into a multidisciplinary clinic because as a young sports therapist or starting off as a sports massage therapist and still working my way up I was always throwing people into the physio or the podiatrist and I remember you know pretty much 80% of my patients I was like I don't know what's going on there go and see our physio and you know what 79% came back saying Matt just keep doing what you're doing it's fine stop worrying but when that one percent did happen it was happy days because I never lost that I still want to I'm still not quite sure what's going on here. And I think there's a danger that if sports therapists do get too confident and some are not confident enough, you are always going to need <clears throat> that, that, that group, whether it's in the same clinic or, or whether it's on the end of a phone, you're going to need the physiotherapist because they have studied so much more because they are going to be much more, I think so anyway, experts in, in other systems, right. no in red flags. You can do a lot of CPD yourself and a lot of your CPD as a non-allied health professional should be recognizing things you're not allowed to treat, but you've got to recognize, you know, but I think unless you've got that network of people at the end of the phone, unless you're competent enough to, to pass that person on, when it doesn't quite add up, then you are running risk to the patient in your own career and stuff. And don't be scared of the physio at the end, because just the same as the guy in my clinic would always give them back to me and say, Matt, pat on the shoulder. You're doing fine, mate. Keep going along. That's what we all need to hear sometimes. So it's all what I'm trying to say is it all boils down to communication and just being part of a network and not being scared of other professionals. Yeah. Over to somebody else. Agreed. Well, I think, Matt, I think that's what at the STA I've tried to do over the years. You know, my first thought was nobody should feel isolated in the industry and so we've become the network for them you know with the one-to-one chats the coffee evening stuff but you know let's all work together let's be nice to people yes yeah I think I want I want sports therapists graduate sports therapists 
massage therapists to be and, and physios that don't because there's physios who don't think they're good enough you know I was one of them many years ago I've got more confident now but I still you know still call you know people up going what on earth is going on you know we've had a chat in our little group today what's this I don't know what's going on and I think it's being brave it's being proud about what you do whatever you're trained in you know putting the patient first but being confident and not and trying not to see this title as a as a hierarchy and seeing it as a, a collaborative way to talk and to treat patients and I, I want people that would be my advice to younger sports therapists or all physios just be proud about what you're doing and what you're yeah doing. and hierarchy is not bad sometimes you know there is always somebody differently trained or in that higher level because they're a specialist it's absolutely fine you know let's be confident on what we do and the, the patient it's as long as the patient gets on with the person you know that the, and they will engage better so you know not one person's going to be able to fix everyone mm. yeah sign or skill up <laughs> yeah. yeah sign post or skill up mm-hmm. You know, Fantastic. and you, you know, like Gary, you know, like you said, Gary, you've done, you've done a great job and continue to and as right. And, you know, if you are finding you're a bit lost, you need to hook onto these organizations. You need to use these organizations to get better help, support, and they will help you with the collaboration. And there's loads of forums now, you know, you'll have your own. I will plug our own, you know, MSK hub. There's people on there and I do love it for this. There's all sorts of different questions on there. You know, a common thread that we've had over the past few years is that people that would have been scared to say things for fear of being shut down on social media or Twitter or X or whatever it's called now feel like they can say it now. And we need to push these forums a bit more. You know, I, I was I was definitely one of those people. I would never have been on something like this without you or you guys. Never. Yeah, it's good. That That's is good. good. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I'm going to put it up here on the screen because, yeah, it is worth having a shout out <clears throat> for um, the MSK Hub and all that. Because, I mean, let me share this on the screen, put it on there. Just about kind of sums it all up. So the MSK Hub supported by Physiomatics and Mehab, it says in on the actual Facebook group, a collaborative open network of professional therapists and clinicians born out of the coronavirus pandemic pandemic for all physio osteo chiro medic sports therapy smt in various settings who are looking for guidance advice reassurance and ongoing support anything therapy related to their work it's beautiful i mean tell you what this this is pre-chat gpt this was going back some so it's just like coming from the heart and i'll promise that that has not changed so that was set up 2020 so those words have only changed ever so slightly in 2020 so you know that's great it's good words it will stay there and that's very good words can can we give a shout out to my plant? <laughs> oh, okay. Now, sorry, listeners, we're on about three thousand downloads. The Mizzles at the moment. So, if if anyone there has got any horticultural experience, yeah, Anna Maria Mazzieri of the ST School. A question about a plant. Go on, Anna Maria. Late because we were talking about Anna Maria. Go on, Anna Maria. This is it. The stage is yours. Go on. Yeah, just wondering if anybody has got any advice why my plant is got. Anna Maria, it's a. It's all about building that therapeutic alliance and not building your plan. And also knowing what a podcast is because they can't see you <laughs> clutching your little thing. And so on that note, thank you very much, everyone who joined us in the live lounge. I really appreciate it. It was lovely to see so many of you enthused and adding things. I couldn't get through all the comments, but it was great. It was lovely to see up in the 50s again. This is like 
COVID time. So um, thank you very much for joining us. If you have joined us this evening and you're thinking, oh, I could get into this. It's not bad. An hour of my time, just mixing, networking, listening to our guests, then do feel free to join us. You haven't got to be any, as long as you're a sports therapist, then then you can come along. Obviously, No, I'm joking. You can be from any discipline. And we welcome that, you know, because as you're hearing tonight, it's all about patient today isn't it if you help look after your patients and guess what your business is going to do great and you're going to make a massive network of people so it's a great business model so yeah if you listen to podcast and you fancy joining us tuesdays eight o'clock on either sports therapy association youtube channel if you prefer joining via youtube or come along to the facebook page um, where we also stream next week is going to be the first tuesday of the month so what we tend to do is have a ask us anything episode so i basically collate questions and um, throughout the week you can email questions to me at matt at the sta.co.uk or you can leave them in any of the forums i have a tool through other forums as well and and get questions about our industry anything to do with the industry to do with healthcare so feel free to send me those questions that's where we'll be next week also just a final shout out if you've enjoyed tonight then head along to the msk hub just look up look it up on facebook and you will find it so many members there and like like we've said and Gemma said some great dialogues and conversations going on between different health professionals which is great because so many perspectives and things and it's really well moderated you won't be bullied I and mean, it's it's people you know things are taken down things don't even get through the door if they're kind of sensationalist or just looking for an argument so it's a it's a really nice safe place to go along to so do check it out right and also most importantly thank you to my guests thank you to my three physios <laughs> thank you very much and thank you to my three sports therapists and also the dogs who have joined us and the plants in the background and the little yellow rodent <laughs> teddy bear which is with with collins thanks people yeah. really appreciate you giving up your time um, and yeah. Gary, thank you for the discussion it was really good <sighs> take care everybody and we'll see you Bye. soon on the sports therapy association podcast take care you're listening to the sports therapy association podcast Put evidence back into soft tissue therapy.